Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 3, Episode 31. I'm Blind. Uh, I'm Elisa. <laughs> I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. So it was, it's been a very exciting week. It, it was really <laughs> remarkable, actually, to turn on CNN for a good three hours and not see any political coverage. It was just about science and space. <laughs> I'm referring, of course, to the great 2017 eclipse. Did everybody watch it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 It was fun. I actually, I wasn't really all excited for it. And then, like, I got, uh, since I'm a news junkie, I got really excited how, like, CNN was solely focused on the eclipse. They were like, eclipse now crossing Missouri. <laughs> eclipse now crossing South Carolina. It was it was very exciting. But, but you know, there had been weeks and maybe months of coverage about not looking into the sun. And... It was so much. It was so. It was so fierce that I know I'm not alone. Our president did this too. Mm-hmm. I had to try to look at the eclipse with my bare eyes. Did anyone else try it? Just admit it. Admit you tried it. No, um, no. But uh, I, in my defense, though, I usually bitch. don't look at the sun. I tried it once for a very split second. Was immediately in pain and thought, "Wow, that was dumb." So it was like half a second. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, and the thing is, is that you can see it with your naked eye, uh, but only for a moment anyway, because once, once like <laughs> after like a second or two passes, the sun is just too blinding. It hurts too much and you can't see it anyhow. Yeah. Right. It's just like looking at the sun during any other circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But is it worse during the eclipse? That's the part I don't understand. Why would it be worse during the eclipse? Well, it can be worse during the eclipse because particularly in regions that have like 100% like full totality, uh, it gets much darker. And people are led to believe that because it looks darker and they're not seeing as much sunlight that it's okay for them to look. But before it actually reaches totality, there are rays still coming from around the edges that can blind you. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I don't see, but... And the other part of it, too, is that because, like like Laura was saying, the other part of it, too, is that because the um, it gets darker outside, your pupils are dilated, and mm. they're very... And they're wide, because it's like, oh, shit, it's nighttime. I need to, like, widen my pupils to see... And then you look up at the sun with like wide fucking pupils, and now it's doing ten times more damage than it would be um, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. So it, it seems like the, the you guys, uh, Laura. I think you mentioned how temporarily got dark if you were in one of those totality areas. That was really cool. I was watching live as as it got dark in these various regions across the country, and. People were like crying. People were just in awe. It did seem pretty cool. I kind of wish I was in an area of totality. Yeah, I got to admit, I was kind of pissed because here in Atlanta, we had 97% coverage, allegedly. And it did not get close to dark here. Not not even close. I mean, it was still really fucking cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it got like really hazy. And the way that it looked, it was almost like you were underwater 
with all the mm. shadows and everything. It was really fucking cool. Yeah. But then here's my gripe. <laughs> I started seeing pictures from people all over the country showing dark eclipse pictures, like the sky pitch black. And I'm like, where the fuck did you get? Like, how? And I'm like looking at people who were in places that did not get the coverage that we got here in Atlanta. I'm like, how did that fucking happen? Well, then somebody that I know here locally posted a picture just like that. And I was like, this is bullshit. So I found out fuckers were taking their pictures through their eclipse glasses to make it look oh. dark. That's cheating. <laughs> that <laughs> fucking is cheating. cheating. That is cheating. <laughs> You know what this whole ordeal was reminding me of? Of of Ch- Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, where like any any nobody was killed by the basilisk because they were all like looking through the reflection or looking through a uh, <laughs> a, a, a puddle. Uh, but but if you look directly, you you were <laughs> fucked. Now, luckily, <laughs> nobody has died yet. It seems, but I, I was also hearing it takes like a few days for it to kick in, mm-hmm. for for your blindness to kick in. So. <laughs> it's, oh, it's like it's not like it's a drug or something. <laughs> but apparently, oh, it's I kicking don't know in. It's it kicking in. It's kicking in. What do we make of our president looking at the sun? Not once, but I think twice. I saw him do it. Um, that's a good representation of him. Yeah, and what was funny was when directions. he did it. As he was looking up at the sun, one of his aides yelled at him, don't look at it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he pointed up in the sky, too, at one moment. Like, Mm -hmm. look, there it is. It's the sun, everybody. That's where I get my tan from. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, good moment for the country. Everybody could agree on one thing. that The eclipse was cool. It's been a great week for our country, actually. Yeah, yeah. Steve Bannon is out. Is that what you're referring to? Uh, Yes, that's, that's part of the omelet. The the Antichrist is is gone. That was um I wasn't surprised. I wasn't even happy because like we kind of felt like it was inevitable, right? Yeah. I mean it's all inevitable. Like he's he's just gone. Like the it's just what? It's now Pence and Trump. It's like the season finale of Survivor. But it's the White House. Yeah. I think it is mm-hmm. funny that Breitbart is pissed off at Trump now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so that freaking day, Bannon is officially back at Breitbart, and he did declare war. What was it? The editor-in-chief or somebody just tweeted the hashtag war. Good God, y'all. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> I don't feel any better. Does anybody else? I mean, like... No. I just like <laughs> watching them tear themselves up from the inside yeah. out. Yeah, but, like, they're tearing themselves up in our city. It's like watching... Godzilla destroy our town. I think we're all going to die at this point, Matt. Speaking of deaths, I don't watch any. I don't watch Game of Thrones, but um, it has. It's we've got the season finale coming up. Any predictions, Laura? Are you feeling better about Game of Thrones? We all remember earlier, few about a month ago, you said you weren't really into it. Yeah. So I haven't been into Game of Thrones for the last couple seasons uh, because I feel like. The writing has gotten very sloppy ever since they went off book. And to me, it feels like there's been a lot of meandering plot points because they know what the endpoints for these characters are, but George R.R. R. Martin didn't exactly tell them how to get there. Um, after the first episode of this season, I was pleasantly surprised with some of the things that did happen. Um, so I was kind of getting built up, you know, I felt like, okay, I'm kind of liking Game of Thrones again. But then last week's episode happened. And not to say the full episode was bad, 
But there was a very, very sloppy, like, battle scene. (laughs) And I won't Mm. go too far into that because, I mean, it's, you know, less than a week since the episode aired, so I don't want to spoil it. Um, You know, but just things that, you know, nobody, like, clearly after the episode ended, I was like, well, why didn't they do this? Or, like, how did this happen? Or, like, Mm -hmm. how did I think it's safe. I mean, even though it's only, it has been less than a week, uh, the episode previously, like, built it up to like there's no there's no question that there was going to be a battle mm-hmm. so you can safely say it what you could safely say what what happened like they had to fight across the wall yeah um and just like some common sense stuff that you would think that they might have like brought with them they didn't bring mm-hmm um, and then the, the saving scene, the scene where everything looked to be lost, but then all of a sudden they rallied was just so fucking predictable. Um, and just like perfectly timed. And like you have characters who are able to run across mountain ranges in four hours and messages that are somehow miraculously able to go from north to south in just a few hours, apparently. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm having some pacing and plot issues with Game of Thrones at this point. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. It, it, it almost kind of, it almost felt like we were cheated because especially the last season or two, there have been a lot of like just exposition or filler episodes that mm-hmm. were boring and they didn't really matter. Like it, I don't give a shit. I, I mean, I don't, I don't care about, uh, this character that I know is not going to be someone we're going to care about in the next few. And then we get this, this, our last week's episode that could definitely have lasted at least two episodes. Like it could have been drawn out and it should have been drawn out. Elisa, do you have better thoughts about game of Thrones to counter all this negativity? Um, not really. I mean, I, I will say, I will say that I, I still love Game of Thrones. I still think it's a great show. Um, I didn't really lose interest in it at any point, but I do agree with Lara that there were some very problematic plot holes in this most recent episode in particular. I, um, it's hard to talk about without mm-hmm. like getting into spoilers, but so maybe we can do that. Maybe we should do just like a Game of Thrones mini episode or something. Um, but it, it's, I, I really do think the writing has gone down the shitter. Lately, it's not as witty as it used to be. I think sometimes now they rely way too heavily on major plot developments to keep our attention. When originally, for me, the entire reason I loved Game of Thrones was the dialogue. Mm-hmm. The dialogue and the inter- the interactions were so were so witty and so fun and interesting mm-hmm. to watch that nothing could happen in an episode. It could just be three characters in a room talking to each other, and I would be enthralled. And that has completely gone away. Um, I would like to see them return to that a little bit. Sounds like what yeah. Breaking Bad used to be for me. Just listening to simple conversations, mm-hmm. which is so compelling. Uh, Elisa's idea was a good idea about maybe doing like a mini-sode about yeah. Game of Thrones. Maybe after the, mid- or the season finale. I'm yeah. all in for that. In After Dark today, we're going to be playing a new game that Laura created in which the hosts will be asked a complex topic that they probably know nothing about. Uh, and then we, we have to explain these complex topics after learning about them for the first time. Mine, in light of the Game of Thrones season finale, is going to be about how time in the Game of Thrones verse works. 
because I have no clue anything about this show. So I'm going to try to decipher everything in Game of Thrones. Hopefully you guys can, you know, give me some prompts to work with. I think we can make it work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is the wall a giant wall? Yes. Is, is that like it is. center court? Okay. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I've watched some episodes, but I'm like staring. It's like staring at a, a blank wall. I, I don't know what's happening. I can't compute any of it because yeah, I, I, I watched most of season five. Oh. Is that you too, Laura? No, I mean, I I love the show. I was just going to say you kind of remind me, not so much in like the knowing nothing, but in the, uh, I guess, the representation of someone who looks like they know nothing, like Brandon Stark. <laughs> okay. Someone who just contributes fucking nothing, even though they know mm-hmm. everything. Anyway. Well, I would tune into the episodes. <laughs> I was watching with Mike because like if I watched, that meant... I could get laid that night. So that was like part of the deal. But Mm. also I wanted to be able to know what people were talking about on Twitter because everybody's losing their mind. So I want to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I totally get what you mean about that death. You could just watch it. Yeah, I could do that. Y'all, I'm coming out. I'm coming out on this episode as Team Cersei. Um, I've kind of lost hope for the show, to be perfectly honest with you. And she's one of the only characters left that I think is still interesting. So Team Cersei. Kill them okay. all. Well, okay. Okay, same. <laughs> A little more pop culture news, actually. Um, Taylor Swift. I think we're probably mixed here about Taylor Swift. We'll, we'll find out in a minute. Mm-hmm. But she has announced her next album amid a few teases of snakes. The new album is called Reputation. It is out November 10th. A new single, the first single will be out this Thursday night. If you look at the album art, I'm, I'm worried about this album. If you look at the album art, you can tell clearly this is going to be about Taylor's, as the title of the album is, reputation in the media. Because the album art shows her name printed in newspaper headlines. So it's going to be re- responding to, um, I guess, how, how she's been taking all the media coverage. There, because she she has uh, faced a lot over the, the past couple years i mean there was that story most recently about her like being carried carried out of a like a cardboard box to avoid the paparazzi there was also that leaked phone call from kim kardashian Mm -hmm. revealing that taylor swift really wasn't mad at kanye um there's been other stuff too but i mean she she just she just had a uh, a trial too for sexual harassment Mm -hmm. that she won but that's not assault right yeah but Yeah. yeah But that wasn't like people weren't like, oh, Taylor's such a bitch. Like that was that was something good yeah. that she did. <laughs> Sexually assaulted and you're complaining about it, bitch. No. <laughs> um, so and there's there's been other things, but but here's what I'm worried about. The thing about Taylor Swift being called a snake, being called uh, you know misleading or dramatic for no reason, is because the problem with that is these stories were actually true. So I hope this album isn't her pulling a Donald Trump with, oh, fake news. I didn't come out of the house in a box to be avoided by paparazzi. I I wasn't ever pissed at Kanye West. That was all made up. You guys misinterpreted my words. I don't want any shit like that because that does nothing to help this battle against fake news, which legitimate fake news, which is actually a very serious problem. I don't think it's like her doing fake news i think it's more of like water off a duck's back kind of situation 
where like people like the headlines people can say whatever they want for me but i'm gonna i'm still gonna be me i'm fierce i'm white i'm privileged and i'm me (laughs) okay (laughs) oh the other thing that that relationship with tom hiddleston we all knew that was fake from the beginning but anyway i look forward to i'm sure the album will be good like she's she's definitely a good artist i think we can all agree that she does some catching music so Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so let's get on to some other news now. Some of this is actually from last episode. We ended up having a discussion last week about Charlottesville. Uh, we took some calls from some of our listeners. We were very pleased with how that went. And we bumped some stories that we're going to get to this week. We are also going to make some calls to some of our patrons. It's been a while since we've done that. We've been meaning to. We've just keep running out of time. So we're going to do that. Get to a couple emails. Do an AP choice. Lots to do today. Laura, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so this first story is very important. Uh, However, it's going to be a pretty short one because there's just not a whole lot of substance to it right now. Um, So President Trump gave a speech about his Afghanistan plan uh, earlier this week. And when I put in the document here, Trump's Afghanistan plan, what is it? Um, That that sort of had a double meaning because it's meant to say like, Let's describe what this is, but it's also meant to say, like, what the actual fuck actually is this? Um, Because in his remarks about it, he was very vague and there was nothing said uh, that stood out from current U.S. policy about Afghanistan. Uh, The only thing that he indicated that would be different is that there may be more troops going over, though he didn't provide any set number. Um. And it also appears that he's finally taking advice from his generals about trying to bring the Taliban to the table for negotiations because they're the least crazy of the fundamentalist crazies in Afghanistan. So it looks like we Mm -hmm. may be working with the Taliban, which is weird. But yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. If you can't beat them, join them, right? That's what the saying says. I mean, I think the thing about the Taliban is like the Taliban's kind of like uh, ISIS is cray. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, I mean, the Taliban is jealous of ISIS. Mm-hmm. The Taliban used to be the shit. I we know. were all scared of the Taliban, but then ISIS come in and they start cutting people's heads off and uploading them to YouTube, and and even the Taliban is like, oh, this is bad. I mean, nine eleven was bad, but this was bad. Well, mm-hmm. this this head cutting is bad. <laughs> See, like I. It's, it, Trump's speech, like, I I don't know if, because he, he is the king of being unspecific. He is the most general speaking public figure I have ever met. It, he has not been specific about a single thing he says. And I'm not sure if that's because he doesn't know, have like a, vo- have a vocabulary. It's that one. Or he just can't remember. It's that one. Anything that was said to him because it had nothing to do with him. I think it's both of those things. My favorite Trump tick is when he's reading from the teleprompter and he'll, he'll go off the teleprompter to say, a lot of people never knew that. A lot of people never knew. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. It's like, no, actually you didn't know it until you read this speech mm-hmm. earlier today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on Afghanistan, find out if we're going to continue engaging in a war over there, because why not? Yeah. Well, we're increasing the troops, so 
that sounds like we are gonna be. I mean, here's here's for- the thing. Trump says a lot of things. <laughs> he says a lot of things, and but this isn't. They don't necessarily come true. But this isn't a 8 a.m. transgender banned via Twitter uh, decision. This was like a planned speech. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I think there, there might mean, be some weight to it. Loosely. Maybe. Yeah, we're ch- using the word uh, planned loosely with Trump. Because nothing is ever planned with him. No wonder he doesn't like Planned Parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, what's going on at the Department of Agriculture? Yeah, so this one was really troubling to me. Staff at the U.S. Department of Agriculture have been instructed by the Trump administration to avoid using the term climate change in their work. Instead, officials are now supposed to use the term weather extremes instead Um, this just, you know, we, we talk a lot about authoritarian regimes and some of the weird parallels that this administration just happens to, to exude. But this one really gets me uh, because for anyone who's ever read any George Orwell, particularly in 1984, this just reminds me so much of Big Brother and Newspeak. So, if you haven't read 1984, you really should. But one of like the the key elements of the book is that um, like the government, Big Brother, um, sort of they force people to use something called newspeak, which is basically controlled language. And language there in this fictional society, everything has an agenda. Every word that you use has an agenda. All of it designed to support big brother's agenda so for example you're not allowed to use any negative terms so instead of saying like bad you would have to say ungood because anything negative could be perceived as the government you know doing something wrong and so they're controlling thought and controlling expression through controlling language and that's what newspeak is and this just reminds me so much of that concept of that Orwellian authoritarian big brother type concept. Now, obviously it's not the same because this is only applying to the department of agriculture and not to all of us and to the public, but it, it still troubles me particularly because this is something that is science based. This isn't politics. This is climate change. This is factually happening. And the idea that they are going to, restrict scientists from using a scientific term troubles me greatly and using the term weather extremes isn't even right in all situations i would imagine because it's not necessarily about just the temperature getting too hot or too cold it's 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 very disappointing yeah well it's also just it's complete it's factually false because a lot of these weather events that they're referring to are no longer extremes because they're not out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. They're trying to downplay this and say like, oh, those extra 
hurricanes and tornadoes that we're getting, those, those, I mean, there are not that many of them. And it's like, actually, there are quite a few. Yeah. Um, or referring to rising ocean levels, like, oh, it hasn't gone up that much. Well, yeah, actually, it has. A lot of shit's fucking melting uh, in the Arctic Circle. Well, it also, um, I mean, the word, the term weather extremes s- suggests that it's temporary. Like, this mm-hmm. is a case-by-case basis. Like, the weather extremes, like, oh, this was just an extreme uh, moment uh, for this season. Um, so, it's, it's, right. it's not like this has been an ongoing thing that will continue to happen unless we change it. That just sounds like, oh, we just had a shit day. Oh, look. We just had a shitty-ass tornado or a hurricane. Oh, that's just an extreme weather condition. Right. And and climate change is the accepted nomenclature by everybody. Uh, the right, the left, scientists from all fields just refer to it as climate change. And so the fact that they are now instructing uh Federal agencies not to use that term should tell us, I think, kind of how terrified they are to be proven wrong by their own agencies. You know, it's one thing when the USDA was um, sort of an arm of President Obama Mm -hmm. and, you know, the neo-left and then the USDA or, you know, NOAA or the EPA, whatever. It was different then because they could just say, oh, look at Obama. Like, they could all blame everything on Obama and, and, and Democrats and call it all lies. But if those same agencies now come out with more information and more data supporting climate change, that they can't do that anymore. There's no scapegoat anymore. Mm-hmm. It's their own agency at this point. So... I think they're sort of I think they're just terrified of of being proven wrong mm-hmm. and this is the only way that they can stall that a bit. I hope yeah. that the well, USDA does something snarky because of this and and uses weather extremes in quotations every time they use the phrase just so they could just tell everybody that this is what we're told to say. They are weather yeah. extremes. I don't you can't or, see me but I'm using like air quotations while I'm talking. Just sidestep it and be like, changes of the Earth's climate. I was going to say, use weather extremes, but every time they use it, put an asterisk and then have a footnote that says climate change. (laughs) See note. Every time. (laughs) Climate change. Um, Remember when we all used to all call it global warming? Yeah. And then we rightfully changed it to climate change because everybody would be like, oh, it's so cold. There's no global warming. (laughs) They're still using it. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah, but not as often. Climate change has definitely taken hold, and that's why you see um, the Trump administration asking the USDA to, to avoid using that phrase. And Elisa mentioned politicizing it. I mean, uh, that that word now has political implications behind it. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest reason why they changed it. Not necessarily because they're afraid that climate change is actually real, but if there, if the USA, if the USDA's work gets out and it references climate change, people will be like, "Look, see, see, it is climate change." Mm-hmm. Whereas if it gets it's out, just a way for them extremes, to save their ass. It's really different. just it because they can't say climate know. change, but they really know that that the world is going to shit. But if uh, they I say a- climate change, they'll lose donors and shit. Sorry, go ahead, Laura. No, no, I have a quick question. So, I mean, I know we said here that Trump administration officials asked the USDA. Um, to avoid using climate change, can they make them do it? Like how much oversight does the White House have in terms of 
controlling the language of these departments? Um, I, I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you, but my guess is they cannot deliberate, they cannot outright make them use different terminology, but what they can do is prevent reports that don't use their preferred terminology from being released. Mm. So if the U.S., so if the USDA refuses and just says climate change, um, in whatever report or data that they gather, it is it is fully within the right of the Trump administration to say, okay, well, we disagree with this support with this report or whatever, and we're not going to release it to the public. Mm. Um, so I, I, that's 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 my that's my guess because that's usually how the relationship with the White House tends to work. Um, so yeah, they can't necessarily make them, but they can certainly make them sit on their hard work. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of entertainment stories now. Matt, do you want to talk about this? Yeah, yeah. So this next story, uh, this is for anybody who has a Netflix account or has at least the password for it. So Disney announced uh, this past week that it's ending its distribution agreement with Netflix for subscription no! streaming. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so they're ending their agreement for all of their new releases that they usually have for Netflix. And after 2019, they will be releasing their very own Disney-branded video-on-demand subscription service. And what that's going to be, as far as we know, it's going to just uh, have... (laughs) so sad just saying it. But, like... Basically, you're going to have to pay for a new subscription if you want to watch Disney movies because Netflix is not going to have it anymore. And uh, starting uh, in the starting in 2019, all of the new releases that Disney releases will be part of the Disney uh, Netflix, if you will. And the movies that will start are Toy Story 4, Frozen, uh, Frozen 2, whatever it is, and The Lion King, the live action one. So, and they haven't given specific details yet because we're still far away, but the impression I'm getting is that all the existing Disney stuff that's on Netflix right now, that's all going to be pulled off and mm-hmm. they're going to throw, they're going to throw all that stuff over onto Disney flicks or whatever they'll call it. And, and here's the part I can probably, that might tempt me to buy this, start paying for this. If they put their entire freaking catalog on there, mm-hmm. and Disney owns Marvel, Lucasfilm, and of course Disney Animation, Pixar, Disney Live Action, all the classics, everything, that could be a tempting subscription if it's between five to ten dollars a month. But I do have to say this news was so fucking disappointing because Disney and Netflix's deal was so fucking good. They have been releasing their new movies on Netflix pretty quickly. Uh, Star Wars Rogue One is on Netflix already. Beauty and the Beast is going to be on Netflix next month. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Zootopia, Finding Dory, so many movies, Moana, they've all been added only like six months after they were in theaters. Yeah, well, pretty much and since just, just the beginning of Netflix, like Disney has been attached to to, to the uh, streaming service. So, well, no, not not with new movies. Well, no, this, but this was this is only about a year and a half old. This current deal. Yeah, but I mean, to be perfectly, I mean, personally, it's uh, the movies that are, are not like recent that I like to watch on Netflix. So, 
the fact that um, the subscription service is going to ha- uh, feature the Disney catalog, the, like their library, and it's going to include both Disney, Disney films, Pixar films, uh, shows from the Disney Channel and all previous original movies, Disney Junior, Disney XD, and also ESPN. Like they're going to be launching because I forget that Disney like is owns a, a good portion of ESPN. So it's going to have its That's own streaming right. well, service. Well, the sports thing is yeah, the sports thing is going to get its own, but um I, I there's just over the past year since this current deal started, there's been nothing better. This is like porn to me. I'm a big Disney fan. This is like porn. Mm-hmm. I load up Netflix and I see a brand new Disney movie there. A new one from the past year. I'm like, "Oh, fuck yeah." I get my dick out. I start watching Rogue One. I'm like, "Oh, this is so cool. Brand new Disney movie right on Netflix." Well, it's cool. They're, they haven't, Disney has not uh, announced what they're going to be doing for the Marvel and Lucasfilm films. So, yeah, they could. I, there was a report that they could make their own streaming services for those two. And I'm like, fuck you. Don't. No, the, I the doubt pro- they'll do that. He, but. Here's why everybody's up in arms about this. Uh, the net, it, leaving Netflix aside, there are way too many streaming services right now. And this is, in my opinion, this is all going to implode on itself. You've got Netflix, you've got Hulu, you've got Amazon, you've got CBS All Access, which is the exclusive home of the new Star Trek series, as well as the Good Wife spinoff, the good, uh, the the good, whatever the fuck it's called, the Good Doctor. <laughs> no, the no, Good Wife, the Good No Office, the Good, the Good Laura, the Good, the Good. Hold on, I'm googling it. The Good Fight, the Good Fight. Stupid. Um, That's on CBS yeah, All Access. But I mean, come because on, Andrew. how many? Because if you do the math, okay, you're paying like ten bucks for Netflix, ten for Hulu, five to six for for CBS All Access. These eventually add up to what you're paying for cable. They probably they probably succeed it because you also have to pay for internet, and then you have our awesome listeners paying for us on Patreon. There's just too many things to pay for monthly. Like, I mean, Andrew, like CBS All Access, like what the fuck is that? Like of all the entertainment networks disney makes the most sense like i'm surprised that disney has not done this already and disney has such a a, such a vast lexicon of entertainment and i agree and i am i'm frankly i'm all about this because i want to watch uh disney tv shows from the 60s and 50s i just i i would love to watch all of that I will pay. I will pay for Disney. But what's next? WB? DC? Are we going to have to pay for DC monthly? Like, I, mean, the, I, I don't think they can. They can't. They don't have. You can't compare Disney really to anything else. Disney is. No. Is, no, but is that's our not going to stop them. Yeah. That's well, it's. Stop them. I, I could care less what the other companies do. I actually was really upset to hear this. And I'll tell you why. I. I have become a huge Moana fan because I watched it on Netflix. <laughs> mm-hmm. I this love is, Moana. This is a true story. Yeah. I- it is. It, we were actually talking on After Dark a few weeks ago about w- some of our, like, um, embarrassing, like, favorite things or, or, or um, guilty pleasures, rather. And I forgot to mention this. I have been obsessed with the Moana soundtrack. And I... Yeah, oh god. This is a mistake. 
this is a mistake. I and I've been hey, listening to the soundtrack constantly. Uh, I I oftentimes put Moana on in the background, like while I'm doing chores. Mm-hmm. Like it's just such a good movie, and I got into it because of Netflix. Yeah, and right. for my part, I never would have watched this movie if it hadn't been on Netflix. I am not a diehard Disney fan. Lots of their stuff is good. I don't like Disney as an institution enough to purchase this stuff a la carte, like on a Disney service. Now, it just okay, but point. All right, so uh, so I, I, so I never would have watched Moana, never would have bought the soundtrack, never would you know obsess over Maui uh, if not for <laughs> if not for Netflix. So. I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but I think that I am not alone here. Well, And I think that was Disney's original strategy with this, Elisa, mm-hmm. to get more people seeing these who wouldn't have otherwise, particularly children. If, if, this is on, if this is easily on Netflix, parents can easily load up Moana and Finding Dory. That's only going to help Disney's merchandise sales. No, this is, go, I mean... They go buy the dolls no, and stuff? The Disney app on Apple TV or everything. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. Like, Disney's going to be fine. And you know what? So is Netflix. Like, <laughs> Netflix be- Netflix only pays about... Wait, let me look up the numbers. Yeah, Netflix pays about $200 million per year to Disney. And, like, that sounds like a lot, but it's only 3% of Netflix's total budget. For the year, that's seven well, billion dollars. Netflix clapped back at Net uh, at Disney when they uh, stole when they poached Shonda Rhimes from ABC. That was pretty legit. They announced that Shonda Rhimes is moving over to Netflix from ABC, and uh, I was reading this interview. I think with a Netflix exec who was like, "Yeah, I mean, those episode orders were, were killing Shonda because they got to write like twenty four episodes for traditional television." God, so Netflix, much. they're like, "Yeah, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Ten, eight, three. Well, Shonda, do a stand up special. We don't care." Hey, well, that's why I like Netflix, though. That that's one of the main me reasons too. that entices me to watch their programming because, like, first of all, they basically just tell you a week before they release every episode of a movie or a season that it's coming out. So you don't have to wait right. so fucking long. Like, oh, look, I can yeah, watch everything great. if I want to watch it. But And they really let people do whatever they want. And that's why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Like, you see all the comedians on Netflix now. Yeah. Uh, so instead so of, great. So instead of, like, Disney and other companies bitching and complaining and moaning about all this, they should just change it. Maybe, maybe one season doesn't need 23 to 4 episodes. Well, they got to fill the year. I think that's why that's... Not going to change. And the, and this whole, like, TV... Oh, we only air our good TV shows during the summer, or uh, during the during the fall and spring. Yeah. Uh, look at Netflix and HBO. Like, HBO's killing it with Game of Thrones because it's airing during... Well, in part because it's airing during the summer when there's no competition. Mm-hmm. But, like, networks got to get past this whole we don't put good stuff on TV during the summer. It's stupid. People watch TV all year. I mean, they don't put out good stuff during the fall right now anyways. TV is a gateway to sex. People want television all the time. Start, what? Start airing. I'm talking about Netflix and chill. You invite somebody over to watch Netflix, and a hand creeps into the pants, and before you know it, you're getting laid. Thanks, Moana. 
I can't believe though Netflix is ne- the budget for Netflix in 2018 is seven billion dollars. That's a fuckload of money. Yeah, they could do whatever they want, really. And uh, so related to this, I wanted to mention that Apple is, according to the Wall Street Journal, putting together $1 billion for their own original programming. So I'm glad you mentioned that $7 billion, Matt. So, so $1 billion doesn't necessarily seem like a lot when you hear that Netflix is putting, uh, using, spending $7 billion. But mm-hmm. I wanted to mention this because I'm like, this is the same thing. You, we have to stop with all this original programming. There's too much television, too many streaming services. With, with, with the Apple original content, you need an Apple Music subscription. So there's another 10 bucks I didn't mention, by the way. You're paying for Apple Music or you're paying for Spotify. Oh, my God. We need to stop. Apple. I don't want Apple doing shows. I don't. They, no. Just no. Mm-hmm. I will not watch a single one of them. Yeah. Nope. I can't. I mean, I I wasn't able to read the article because I'm not a Wall Street Journal. Because there's a paywall. There's something else you got to pay for. I I agree though. You know what? Apple's Apple was late to the game on this. You know, you snooze, you lose. It's too late to. They're late to on do everything this. now. They're about to release a new phone. It's just it's just going to be another Samsung phone. It's going to look like just like Samsung's phone. Good job, oh, Apple. God, get your shit together. 2016 called. They want their phone back. All right. Well, that's all the news. Sorry, I've been geeking out a lot today. We all have, really. Yeah. I think Elisa has a thing for Maui. Um, <laughs> that's what I learned this episode. No. What can I say I... except you're welcome? <laughs> I will say, though, that Maui really kind of turned around my opinion on Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was... Really not a fan of his, but... You're in good company, babe. Credit where credit's due, though. He fucking rocked that song. All right. Well, it's time now for Surprise Bitch. Um, I have a little bit of dilemma, so we'll we'll leave this up to a poll amongst you three. Um, So I've been going in order with the Surprise Bitch numbers, and the next person on the list is Shane... (laughs) <laughs> we just called last week <laughs> for our discussion on Charlottesville. Oh. Should we call him again and have a lighter conversation with him? Or does last week count? I don't think last week counts, but why don't we call Shane next week? Okay. All right. We'll ask him if he's at another baseball game. Cool. Look at that. Over- uh, Laura overrode everybody. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. <laughs> you think i'm joking this is like every meeting that we have mm-hmm. mama's gonna <laughs> crack the whip I'm like let's do this okay good all right we're calling dennis now hello hey dennis hello this hello? is millennial this is millennial hey surprise surprise Mail oh. word for bitch <laughs> hey bitch <laughs> hey bitch what's up it's like the last thing i expected tonight oh good 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 how you doing Great. where, where are you in the country high up on your on your list. Okay, one person at a time. What's going on? What? <laughs> We're organized what here on the show. On? Somebody thinks this <laughs> Where are you in the country? Was the first question. Oh, I'm in Owings Mills. It's around Baltimore. Oh, okay. Maryland. Oh. Oh, yeah. Represent. Um, w- right. What are you up to tonight before we interrupted your evening? Oh, I am just cleaning my apartment tonight. Oh. 
Nothing too fun. Uh, did you watch the clips? I did. I actually looked at it. Oh. You know, <laughs> How are you? So you followed, without glasses. You followed Donald Donald Trump's example. Um, I did it before I saw he did it, so therefore he followed mine. <laughs> and uh, are you blind? <laughs> no, no. I woke up the next day, good vision, still able to see everything. How long did you look at it? Um, it was just you know, like five or six brief glances. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah. All right. It's like I was like staring at it because you know. That's dumb. Okay, Dennis, our next question is, what are your thoughts of the character Maui from Moana? (laughs) (laughs) I've actually never seen Moana. Oh. Do you have a Netflix account? But I have not seen it yet. Oh, my God. Oh, okay, well. I know, it's like on my list. Yeah. Yeah, but. Is is he the one that, like, The Rock does the voice for? Yeah, we we just found out that Elisa gets off to Maui, which which, which we thought was weird (laughs) because it's a Disney animated character, so we were. Still, we're still reeling. From I mean, that. he is pretty buff, but I, I don't know. I don't think he would do it for me. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. Yeah, mm. uh, Dennis, I'm stalking you on Facebook. Do you have a boyfriend? I do. Aw, how long have you guys been together? Um, we've been dating for about uh, five months now. Oh, okay. Hey, that's good. Oh. I can, I can yeah, literally feel the upset and agitation from Andrew's voice. What? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no. Andrew was hoping for uh, another lay here. I think tonight he he likes to uh, get around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. I will gladly say that I don't want to be one of those lays. Oh, good for Ooh. you. Good. Okay, I want to clarify something. What I said a couple weeks ago was not as bad as it sounds because there are various histories. Mm-hmm. I'm referring to the four people I've blown in the Facebook group. One of them was Matt, and we were together. Okay, okay so that's one off the list. <sighs> okay. uh-huh. but and I'm not going any further than that. Stuff. It's okay. We we're waiting a- for the other three names. Yeah, I'm waiting for the other can we three. Guess? There were three. Absolutely not. You cannot guess. Well, you can guess, but I'm not going to say anything. Hey, huh. Eric Skull is in the Facebook group. <laughs> I will say oh. Eric was not one of them. <laughs> I will say they were people I got close to. It's not like one night stand things. I'm not that type of person. Anyway, so it was Micah. D- <laughs> yeah, d- yeah. That's why. That's why Micah left the show. Actually, um, because he swallowed. Okay, still <laughs> he swallowed. Lost his voice. <laughs> Dennis, uh, how did you guys meet? Did you meet like a, a, like through an app or something else? Oh, uh, we met on Tinder. Oh, okay. So that works for people. Oh, yeah. That's great. It does. I love that. Yeah, and. We're very happy with one another. Good. Good relationship. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Isn't it cr- I'm so happy for you. Isn't it crazy to oh, think that if one of you had swiped left, you never would have met? That is pretty crazy. Um, but I'm glad we both swiped right because yeah. he's like amazing and I love him very much. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. For you. Was the intention to be friends at first or was like it a, it was it was it a date from the beginning? Um actually what happened was we both like swipe right on each other the one night and um, we started talking for probably a couple hours. And then I asked him if he wanted to come over and watch a movie with me, like up front, you know, oh, shit. no shenanigans happening. Uh huh. Nice. Just watching a movie and uh-huh. we hit it off and we went on a few dates the next week and uh-huh. it's all history from there. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a quick, t- Go on. that's a quick turnaround. I could not do that. You, you match yeah. and then that night you're hanging out. Oh God, that sounds stressful. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a good conversation up front. Mm. Wait, so, you guys didn't have sex? Like, leap of faith and... Yeah. No. <laughs> That's no. crazy. <laughs> no, it's for you. <laughs> Good for you. Oh, shut up, Andrew. <laughs> I, I would be... See, I, if that was me, if I, if I were you, I would be nervous that, like, something would be expected of me that night. Because... Nah. I need at least 10 dates before I can start considering having sex. And I'm serious. Ten, yeah. Ten, are you? Ten, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like you dumb slut. I remember that's not true. My first relationship after Matt. I don't know. Did you find Jesus and not tell us? Because that is not true. My first relationship after Matt, I deleted for so fucking long. I even deleted first kiss. Like he finally kissed me. It was in the middle of the street. I almost fell over. I was trying to avoid it that much. Anyway, well, we're happy for you, Dennis. That's that's good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Let us know. Invite uh, us to the wedding or, you know, whatever, if if it works out. Okay. I mean, I hope it happens someday. <laughs> okay. Gotta, okay. You know, put a little more time under our belts before we jump in like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Not rushed. Of course. We want to see pictures when it does happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Post okay. them in the okay. group. Uh, Maybe you guys will get an invite. Yes. Well, definitely Elisa because she's in that area, so. Yeah, I'm pretty close. Are you two living together? Yes, no. we are. No. Oh, oh, you you meant those two. I don't two. care about oh. you. I was asking Dennis. <laughs> no, not yet. I was talking yet. about I mean, me and Dennis. We are talking about it at this point. Uh, um, but he needs to finish school, and uh, once he has a full-time job, yeah, we will yes. make those arrangements. D- d- take your- we like being smart about our life decisions. Yes. <laughs> Take your time. We were talking about this, I think, on a recent After Dark. Take take your time because once it happens, you know that's it. So, mm-hmm. oh, certainly, I I fully understand that. Okay, <laughs> good. All right, well, we'll let you go. Good talking to you. Thanks for filling wait, us in. Uh, wait, yeah. One more question, Dennis, before we go. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you, uh, in the middle of the night when you have to pee, <laughs> do you flush or do you just let it lie until the morning? <laughs> I. Always flush. When I was younger, I used to, like, when I was living at home, there were, like, one night, every once in a while, I would just let it sit because it was, like, four in the morning. I didn't wake up. I didn't want to wake up my parents. But ever since then, you know, I flush overnight because, you know, it's wasted. Good for you. to go down. (laughs) Good for you. Well, I appreciate you're doing a public service. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Have a good night, Dennis flush tonight yep you guys too all right bye Bye, Dennis. oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely (laughs) all right i always appreciate when our listeners just deal with all of our questions no matter how stupid they are you know talking to dennis he was so calm cool collected i feel like he's the most well-adjusted person we've ever spoken to yeah he's he's used to this nonsense He's certainly the most well-adjusted person on this call. Tonight. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, he's sitting there like being all mature about his relationship decisions, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I Teach think we me. set the bar pretty low on the show with us. All right, we're, yeah. we're, we're 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 calling somebody else. She's over in England though, so there's a chance. Oh lord, this poor girl. I hope we get an English voicemail. This yeah, it's two a.m. Almost two in the morning over there. Well, I mean. They know we record late. Home to Virgin Mobile yes. voicemail. Sorry, but the person you oh called isn't available at the moment. 
Why not leave a message? Somebody want to so do it? So they can get back to you. Just speak after Matt, the tone. Matt, When you've finished okay. your message, okay. do it about just the hang up. Or to hear more options, <laughs> press one. And toilets. Hello. It's your best friend, Mate, from Millennial, the podcast. How are you? Enough about you. Let's talk about me. I am completely blind from this eclipse that you didn't get to witness because you're in London. Hey. <laughs> Cheerio. Yeah. Chip, chip. Honey nut Cheerios. Cheerio. If you're listening in the morning... And you didn't flush the toilet <laughs> overnight. Please it's the loo, flush the toilet. But please, the, the loo. loo. We go to the loo. Please flush the loo now. Thank you. Cheers. Mind the gap. We won the war. God save the queen. <laughs> God save the queen. All right. We'll call one more. Uh, all right. We're going to go back to America. We are going go to, to Monterey, California, man. We, what we're was that? Monterey. What was that person's rich. name? Daniela. Daniela. She's going to unsubscribe. Daniela. Ella. All right, hey. man. We're calling, calling Monterey, California, man. Scott's <laughs> out there. Did you just segue her name into a Rihanna song? <laughs> yes. Is that what just happened? Daniela. Ella. <laughs> eh. Eh. Hey, Scott. Yes. Hey, it's Millennial. What's up? Surprise, bitch. Surprise. Oh, hello there. Hey, how's Surprise, it? indeed. <laughs> how's it going? What are you up to tonight? Uh, paying some credit card bills. Just got home from work, so spending the money well earned, I guess. Oh, yes, yes. Hashtag adulting. What did you do for work today? I'm a meteorologist, so I issued forecasts. Oh, shit. That's pretty oh, cool. Shit. You're a meteorologist? Yeah, for the weather service. <laughs> That's fucking awesome uh did you get did you like did you get like really super pumped for the eclipse because (laughs) all the meteorologists in my area i saw some of them actually crying with joy well i so i live near san francisco and we weren't in the area where totality is but i know plenty of people that you know, traveled north to Oregon and Idaho to in order to see it. So, meanwhile, I was stuck working, of course, but we got plenty of phone calls asking about the cloud cover. So, believe mm-hmm. me, my mm-hmm. it was a busy day. So, wait, there were people who 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 asked about cloud cover. Oh, they asked about cloud cover because in order to see the eclipse, you want to have sunny skies or clear skies. Oh, anything. So it was the most scrutinized cloud forecast I think we've ever made. So, so, so do wow. you answer these phone calls personally? I do, but I can also, I do a handful of other things too, yeah. like social media. Um, mm-hmm. And I also have that cool power to issue tornado warnings, but oh. not that we get many. Oh, that's awesome. Have, as a meteorologist, have you witnessed any crazy phenomenons? Weather um, related? Yeah, I have. Um, usually flooding, I guess, is the big one. Um, I actually haven't seen a tornado in my life, but uh-huh. I guess Andrew and Matt, you guys were in California this last winter, so we were quite busy up and down the state with yeah. uh, plenty of snow, plenty of rain, and plenty of mudslides. So yeah. Yeah. I used to i I covered the area. Um, uh, what was my area responsibility was from the grapevine. 
uh, mm-hmm. Interstate 5 northward, and there are plenty of landslides and rock slides along there. So uh, that was a lot of fun. So I did plenty of overtime. Okay, but. so you cover a specific area of California. I get that. I didn't know there was like a like a hotline you could call for your local area to get some answers. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Yeah, if you go to go to the webpage, uh, someone will probably pick up because we're open twenty four hours a day, huh. seven days a week. So that's awesome. Mm. Uh, speaking of the government. Uh, I wanted to ask, did you hear that uh, the Trump administration asked staff at the USDA to start referring to climate change as weather extremes instead? I wouldn't be surprised, but I have not gotten any emails to tell me to stop doing what I do. So I full steam ahead. Just okay. if you get one of those, just reply, Continue. fuck you. Uh, that would be really nice, but uh, you got to keep it a little professional, cordial, I yeah, guess. Yeah. I do have so some, just... I do have some ethics. <laughs> I do have some ethics compared to the uh, commander in chief, I guess. <laughs> just to be clear, um, so you do believe in the liberal propaganda of climate change? <laughs> no, that's totally fake news, guys. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Well done. You're a patriot. Have you ever gotten? I'm sorry to focus on the phone part of your of your job, but have you ever gotten? No problem. Have you ever gotten any weird calls? Like I'm just fascinated by this. Did anybody call in and like yeah. wonder why something's happening? Oh yeah. <laughs> so there's 122 different offices across the country, and we like to compare with one another some of the crazy calls. And just two days ago, I got a phone call. I just got into work at 6 a.m. and it was an old lady, bless her heart. And, um, I picked up the phone and she said, um, yes, I'm having a large party this weekend. Do you have any coupons (laughs) (laughs) for better weather? Just the wrong, uh, she just had the wrong number, I think, but you know, she was very confused as to why we didn't have coupons to begin with, but (laughs) we've gotten some people yell at us. Um, (laughs) you know, had heard plenty of that, but yell at you you because you you got the forecast wrong or like. God damn it, it's raining. What the fuck? Oh, <laughs> well, more or less, like, they'll ask for the forecast and, like, say for San Francisco or Los Angeles, they want to travel to one place or the other. Mm-hmm. And if we say it's going to rain, they get mad. <laughs> um, and if it does rain, then it's nice to know that we're right. But, you know, I will, we are wrong. This, this uh, all sounds so. like white people problems. And considering... <laughs> In Monterey, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, all right, well, Scott, thank you. I th- th- thanks for enlightening no, us no on your job. Cool stuff. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Yeah, and uh, not a problem. Cool. All right, we'll talk to you later. Uh, Goodbye. All right, you guys have a good night. You too. You too. Bye. Bye. I didn't want to say this when Scott was on the line, but we should totally prank call some of these weather. Oh no, these are government numbers. employees. Ah! <laughs> yeah, these are these people are on our side. That's just like that's just like that's just begging to be pranked something like that <laughs> about the weather. <laughs> there are one too many clouds in the sky today. How do we get these clouds going away? I do declare. How do we get these I out? do declare. Wait, I didn't know can Jeff you please Sessions turn the temperature down outside <laughs> by a couple degrees, please? Thanks everybody who supports us. Uh over on patreon.com slash millennia. One of the benefits is getting a call from us. All right, speaking of Patreon, it's time for an AP choice. This is from Jess. She said, I'm starting school in the fall. I'm getting an associate's in, in EMS. 
I graduated high school in 2013, so obviously it's been a while. Can I get some tips and whatnot about going back to school and, well, just going to college while having a full-time job? Uh, My first tip would be try to find a job where it's acceptable to work on school at your job. (laughs) Because sometimes that makes or breaks the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I was very lucky in that regard, but I, I... I don't know. In seriousness, I think um, do as much as plan on doing as much as you possibly can for me on on weekends in terms of school stuff. I was way too burned out after after work to then go home and spend three hours writing research papers. I needed some me time. And that's when it worked best for me was to go home, totally crash, just eat food and Netflix for a few hours um, so I crammed all of my stuff into weekends, my school stuff into weekends, which a lot of people think sucks, but it was way better than burning myself out Monday through Friday. So that's, that's what worked for me personally. Yeah. For me, um, I always try to make sure that I keep my classes to one or two days a week if possible. That way I have those one or two days where I have all my classes and yeah, those one or two days suck because you're just in class back to back, but then you have the rest of your week to catch up on all that work. So if you want to do stuff on the weekend, you're not necessarily locked out of that. Good advice. Good luck, girl. Yeah. Good luck. A couple of confessions now. Oh no, I'm scared. This what? is a good this one, Matt. Good do you one. want to read this first one? Well, I haven't Come read on. it, so this I'm just... Ner- uh, sorry. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. I didn't, okay. didn't read it. Oh, fuck. All right. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll read it. So, <laughs> I'm probably one of the very few conservative-leaning millennials who listens to your show. However, I want to state from the start of this comment that I did not vote for Trump. While this is not the main purpose of my comment, I think you'd be surprised to find that there are a large number of issues on which we share similar views. For most moderate conservatives like myself, anyway, we're not all bigoted, intolerant assholes. Anyway, I agree with much your conversation in the latest episode surrounding the problematic presence of the Civil War statues in our country, and I agree that a more appropriate presentation of these monuments would be in a museum where the appropriate context would be incorporated. However, if we are to evaluate the validity of monuments based on the character of the individual portrayed, how do we determine what actions taken within a person's lifetime necessitate relocation to a museum? For example, the majority of the founding fathers were slave owners, and to Elisa's point an episode or two ago, we are able to simultaneously acknowledge their flaws and shortcomings while celebrating their accomplishments and contributing or contributions to the establishment of our country. While the act of owning slaves is arguably worlds apart from fighting to preserve the entire institution of slavery, my point is where do we, where do we draw the line? Assuming all people are flawed and act immorally at times, how do we objectively determine which contributions to society outweigh any atrocities they committed. Again, I'm not writing I'm not writing this to say I disagree with the idea of removing these monuments because I do agree they should be moved. I only think we need to 
think critically about the ramifications of this push to do so and how it could be a slippery slope to the removal or far more monuments in the future. Even though I don't always agree with you all, I, I love the show and I hope you won't automatically assume I'm a heartless bigot solely based on my political party. I love this email. Um, yeah. I think, first of all, um, when we're talking, when we're shitting on conservatives on the show, I think we need to make a point sometimes of just driving home that like the people that we're complaining about are the red hats, like the Donald Trump supporters. Um, I have no problem with moderate middle of the road Republicans. I wish we had more of them. Uh, we need them. So please, uh, you know, don't, don't hide it. (laughs) We need people like you. Um, the next thing that I would say is to your question about what to do with monuments of the founding fathers. I don't know that I have a great answer for that because I see where you're coming from. I understand the point. Um, it's not like these people did something that was just like kind of morally hazy. They owned slaves and that was fucked up. So I can certainly understand why they would get brought into this discussion. However, I will say what makes the Civil War monuments different is the intent behind those monuments. Those were not constructed immediately post-Civil War. They came about as an intimidation factor um, when the Klan started rallying in the 1920s, as well as during the Civil Rights Movement. So those came as a direct result of Black people fighting for their rights. And that, to me, is the big difference between these sets of monuments. I agree. I agree. The history of the monuments themselves, not just the people those monuments represent, is important to bear in mind um, when, when you write, for example, we need to think critically about the ramifications and objectively about where we draw the line. That could be one place where we draw the line, the history of the monuments themselves. And as Laura said, many, if not most of these civil war monuments were erected as a, as a reaction to, to minority communities, particularly black people finally getting rights and finally uh, making headway. And it was like, oh no, this isn't, this isn't okay. We need to symbolize white supremacy somehow um, to sort of push back against that. You'll be surprised if you research these monuments, many of them were donated by known Klansmen and white supremacists who, 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 who donated them to local governments and public lands but they weren't actually erected by government and public lands themselves. They were given to public lands by known racists and white supremacists with the deliberate intent of intimidating and scaring off black voters and black citizens. So I think the intent of the monument does matter. And I would also say, um, I agree with Laura, founding fathers owning slaves is not, um, morally ambiguous at all. I think it it is a problem in this country with how we idolize them. Sometimes Uh, we need to recognize their flaws. Uh, That, that said, I think there is a, a, a really big difference between participating in an absolutely heinous institution of the time and your entire life's work being 
to keep that institution intact. Um, they were, the founding fathers were righteous hypocrites when it came to slavery, righteous hypocrites, but they did acknowledge outwardly and in writing that the institution, many of them, most of them, that the institution of slavery was horrible and needed to come to an end. The civil war uh, folks that you see depicted in monuments did not believe that they fought deliberately to keep the institution around. And so while there's no excusing the founding fathers hypocrisy on this point, um, they didn't fight wars and think, you know, Hey, it'd be a good idea to give up my life and livelihood to keep black people in chains. That is, that is a, a difference, at least in my mind. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I have to give you a lot of credit, confession writer, to listen to our show when we are extremely left-leaning and to still stick around. I, I give you mad props for that. I actually, I, agree. I do wonder about this from time to time. And in fact, I, I remember I was thinking about this within the past few days. Like, could there be those people out there? And I just, whenever I crosses my mind i just say to myself no no way (laughs) so (laughs) uh our next one says hey millennial your recent discussion about moving in with and having difficult discussions with your significant other got me thinking about my own relationship i was raised methodist though my church community was pretty liberal currently i would describe myself as agnostic I'm in a relationship with someone who attends a, quote, hipster Christian church service and small group or Bible study every week. He and I have been dating exclusively for about six months now, and things are at a point where we're starting to have discussions about more serious topics like our faith. I've attended his church with him a handful of times at his invitation, and I'm happy to be supportive of his faith. I admit I can be judgmental and cynical about religion in general, and I'm trying to address that prejudice. The people I've met who attend his church have all been very friendly and welcoming. However, I'm uncomfortable with his church's stance on homosexuality. Not cool with them. The role of women in the church and in relationships, aka that whole love and quote obey thing. The issue of contraception, the shame attached to sex outside of marriage, and other topics like that. Basically, each time I've attended his church, there has been something said or alluded to that's made me uncomfortable at the, at the least and furious at the most. My close friends and colleagues are pretty liberal and also represent a variety of different faiths and sexual orientations. My partner has been totally cool with all of my friends, and there's no reason for me to believe that he supports all of the aforementioned teachings at his church. He doesn't pressure me to attend when I decline his invitation, though I get the sense that it might hurt his feelings. And I have met some people who attend this church and also support LGBTQ and women's rights. But he and I also haven't talked about these things explicitly. I think it's important to be able to discuss this openly in order to move forward in our relationship. And I have no idea how to even begin the conversation. I, for a good portion of my upbringing, I was, I grew up going to a church that had the same, uh, the same thoughts and opinions of what uh, this uh, listen, this confession, listener's confessions lover uh is is a part of and i think that it is it is i think suffice to say you should not uh think that the person that you're dating reflects the the church that they go to 
And I don't know necessarily if bringing this up at a, a time that is kind of abrupt and just out of, out of the, just out of the blue, I think maybe you should bring it up when it is acceptable to bring up where it makes sense. Like there is a time when he or something is mentioned and uh, of, of the topic at hand, like homosexuality or something. And then you may just lightly bring up like, Hey, so where do you fall on this line? Because I mean, I know the church that you go to and I've been to, I've been to a couple of your sessions. So, I mean, I think yeah. it's just, uh, just, just wait for the opportune moment to bring this up and to, Bring it up in a fashion where it you are not really antagonizing or uh, looking to have a debate, but just to open a conversation in an equal manner. Yeah. See, I think that this is actually an opportunity to this forget forget the substance of this question. Forget the fact that religion's involved here. I think, regardless of what the subject matter is, this is really a test of whether or not you are comfortable with your partner. Um, enough to tell them the truth about how you feel and to do so in a way that is honest but doesn't, you know, attack them. This is kind of a test of, like, communication skills and whether or not this is someone that you can communicate well with. And personally, particularly when it's something this important, I am not a fan of beating around the bush. I think that often you intend well when you do that, but it ultimately just ca- causes more problems because you're not being clear enough about how you feel, I would just be very, very fucking direct. Not not mean or or um, not implying anything about him or his faith, but I would just say, you know, listen, I, you know, have gone to church with you a number of times. I really enjoy myself. Most of the people there are super welcoming, but I have noticed X, Y, and Z, and that's made me really uncomfortable. What are your thoughts on that? Just that, just that, just start there and yeah. see what he says. I, uh-huh. um, having been on the dating scene for the better half of this year, I have interacted with people and sort of dated people who <laughs> sort of have <laughs> held, have, are, are very loyal to, uh, their church, their religion, which is new for me, actually. Um, and now these people are Christian or Catholic and like, like you're saying, writer, you, um, you know that, uh, these religions and others have stances you may not agree with on homosexuality and contraception. And I totally agree with that. Um, now you're putting this on the, on a specific church. It sounds like on the church level, like this church is specifically against these things, um, so it might be if 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 your partner is attending this specific church, that may be harder to deal with because they may actually agree with their stances. So anyway, my my point of this is to say that you may you you probably won't be able to change them. Hopefully, they agree with your stance, and if they do, then you should attend church with them. I I would actually have loved to have done this with these people. Uh, who I were dating, who I was dating, because I want to know what makes them tick. And if they're at church every Sunday, these people go to the church every Sunday. Like that, to me, you would not catch me 
at church every Sunday ever anymore. But these people still do that. And so it clearly means a lot to them. And I would want to be a part of that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know what love is, Matt. Uh, well, I wouldn't, you know, date someone who is a Christian. Freak. If Tim said right now, I want to start going to West Hollywood Methodist. Would you Actually, start no, attending he, with him? No, he had an amazing church, United Methodist, and they were amazing to him and his family, especially his parents. Like, his pastor uh, actually... Blew uh, him. C- no. <laughs> his pastor uh, counseled his, his dad, especially, to make him more okay with his son being gay and to kind of oh. understand and show an interest. So, there I have go. nothing against, like... Uh, uh, faith or anything, but um, but you'd rather that, be at brunch that, on Sunday. No, well, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I a church that uh, does not look does not share the same values that I do, such as like homosexuality, because I do value that. Yeah, so that that's why I'm curious if it's it if it's on a church level specifically. Like, is this pastor an asshole, or is it a cool pastor like Matt's boyfriend's dad's pastor? You know, you got to find these things out. Yeah, but I'm never going to church. I I did it enough. It's done. Okay. Sundays are mine. What if Tim said, I want to blow you in a church during Mass? What do you do it then? I said, I've already done it, and it's not that fun. (laughs) Okay. So this last one comes actually from my friend Becky, and I hadn't hadn't spoken to her in in a while, but she wrote into the show... Um, fun fact about Becky, she listened to us back in the MuggleCast days, and then by complete coincidence, I got paired up with her to be college roommates when we did a study abroad program together. Um, and so I get I get to Oxford where we were studying, uh, and she has pictures of she and I together because she had met us at like some Harry Potter convention. So she already she already knew us, but I hadn't I hadn't known her yet, and she ended up just being probably the best roommate I ever had in college, and really Aww. awesome. Yeah, she is it, obsessed. We 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 clicked really really well. Um, so she wrote into the show and she said, "Hi, I was listening to your most recent episode where you discussed um, monuments in Charlottesville and what have you." And you discussed how history is taught in schools and how kids will learn about the Nazis and et cetera um, in schools. But I wanted to share something with you. I'm a librarian at a public library. And during the summer, I do book discussions with my middle school students. One of the books we read takes place during World War II. So as an activity, I had them brainstorm a list of everything that they knew about World War II. The amount of information they knew was strikingly low. These These are kids ages 10 to 14, and they knew almost nothing about this time in our history. I had a kid say to me, quote, there were some people who were mean to the Jews, I think. Were they called Nazis? Most of them had heard of Hitler and knew he was, quote, bad, but knew very little about what he actually did. How is it possible that teenagers haven't learned this yet? These are also the kids that tend to go above and beyond in school. They are the ones voluntarily coming to the library during the summer to participate in book discussions. If they know so little, what about the kids who don't enjoy reading and learning? 
Sure, this is something that will come up more in high school, but should we really be waiting until then to make sure that kids know about this? Do you think it's a problem that kids don't have more knowledge about World War II before high school? Yes, it's absolutely a problem. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I mean, I, from a young age, I was really interested in World War II um, because my parents allowed me to like see films about it and read books about it and stuff. So that's where I ended up learning the most of it was at home. Uh, because in public school, the only thing we did was read the Diary of Anne Frank, which is certainly valuable. Yeah. But it, it's only one part of the picture. Valuable, but not in, enough. Right. Yeah, it's a diary. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, because I'm now trying to think back to being around 10 to 14, and I don't, I remember the Diary of Anne Frank, of course, but not much else. I guess we talked about it in the, in the context of the diary. Maybe we spread our wings a little further than that book. I think uh, there are probably a lot of things like this that kids are missing out on that they shouldn't be missing out on, and particularly with with Hitler and the Nazis I feel like that's something that if it gets brought up these days parents would probably be like uh do they have to be learning about that because you know it was quote unquote so bad fuck yes they do like that's well, I, that, that that's what pisses me off is the public school system like we don't we try to censor our children like they're delicate little sunflake or snowflakes and like that is not going to help our gener- our future. You know, like the germ like German education, they learn about what happened to that what their country did during World War II. And our country likes to kind of glaze over it. Like I don't know about you guys, but when I was going to public school, I barely even touched. Like we glazed over the Trail of Tears. And during World War II, the Japanese internment camps, like we did not spend more than maybe half a day talking about that because it doesn't put us into good light. The U.S. loves to glaze over our shitty parts of history. Um, I mean, who remembers learning about the Vietnam War? I think in my, I think I remember actually I laughed because in my high school world history textbook, you know, there was a chapter on the Vietnam War. And literally the end of the chapter that detailed like the very unceremonious way that we departed Vietnam was like a paragraph. It was like, and then we left by. (laughs) Like, it was so fucked up. And I think we're really bad about pointing out where we fucked up in history. But we're also really bad at just paying attention to world history. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they learn about World War II, they're not really learning about World War II. They're learning about the Holocaust, which happened during World War II. But that's not the entire story. It was a world fucking war. Right. I agree with that entirely. And I think that Becky's broader point about the education system sort of failing here is well taken and not... Not just for those who are in middle school, but also in high school, is, which is what's particularly sad. My brother, who just graduated from high school a couple of years ago, told me that when he was in his senior year, that his history class made them take like a quiz of like very basic things, and all of it was related to wars that the United States had been involved in. So the revolution, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, Vietnam, etc., 
And it made, it asked the students to list who we were fighting in each war. Who did we fight in the American Revolution? Who did we fight in World War II? And in not, almost no one got, got A's on that quiz. Truman said that, that most of the kids thought that they didn't even know that we fought the British in the American Revolution. The majority of kids thought that we fought the French in the American Revolution. Bear in mind, this was a senior class. These people were getting ready. They were 18 years old, getting ready to go into the workforce. This wasn't, these weren't middle schoolers. So I think, I think it's true that if we're going to rely on our history classes to give us context and to give us history, we need to hold them to a much higher standard. Um, my, my last point here, this is, this is not necessarily related, but I wanted to give Becky a quick little plug. She is, speaking of Disney, a huge Disney fan. So when we were having that conversation about Netflix and Disney's new channel, I was thinking about her. And I wanted to plug her blog. It's DisneyInYourDay.com. She does some really classic blogging things like reviewing Disney movies and what have you, but she also goes to Disney a whole ton and she reviews rides, the best restaurants to go to there. Um, I've also seen her post things like arts and crafts and way to like incorporate Disney in your home in like a really elegant adult way, which is super cool. So if you like Disney in any capacity, you should check out her blog, Disney in your day. It's actually really good. I'm looking at it now. It's it's great. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. keep an eye on this. There's some helpful stuff here. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going to visit Disney at any point, you got to go because she really gives you the skinny on like, okay, this restaurant or this ride like not worth it. You can skip this one. But this one over here, you have to you have to go to, yeah. which for me is helpful cuz I can never do anything like everything there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, you you can't do everything. I'm I'm reading a good article right now, actually written by Becky. Best ten best places to give a blowjob at Disneyland. <laughs> this is really helpful, actually. I've only known about like four of these. This is great. Uh, I right, don't think you, that's on there. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I just saw it. Oh, I can tell you which rides in Orlando. <laughs> God. All right. Well, it's been quite an episode. And we're not done yet. Coming up on After Dark today, we're going to be talking about Trump's crazy speech. I have a great clip of Don Lemon reacting to it right after. It's so fucking funny. (laughs) And we're also going to play Laura's new game. Yeah. Laura, what is this game again? It's called Explain Like I'm Five. Um, So I ripped it off from one of... uh uh, one of the subreddits that specializes in this. Uh, so mm. I've given each of you some pretty complex topics that I know that you probably don't know anything about. So I want you to give an explanation about this thing as though you were trying to explain it to a five-year-old. We are about to launch some new Patreon benefits. We'll announce those next week. Patreon.com slash millennial is where you can learn about um, the benefits you can receive for supporting us. We have some great stuff there and it's only about to get better and it's about to get better so stay tuned for that thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm Melissa. i'm laura and i'm matt thanks everybody we'll see you next time bye oh i get it the eclipse she 
got down, but she never got tight because she saw the eclipse, and it's not all right. Oh, Lord. 